Hey there, just a quick reminder, we have a mentorship program if you're looking for personalized coaching and mentorship to help guide you to the next level of your interior design business, whatever that might look like for you, whether it's processes and procedures or what services to offer to how to incorporate wellness, intention, or spirituality into your projects, come join us over at designcoven.com forward slash join. Or if you're just in search to connect with other like-minded interior designers, you can join our free community also located at designcoven.com forward slash joy. Welcome to episode 68 of the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast and showing up for future clients and showing our faces and our personalities is so important uh, for people to learn about us, to like us, and to trust us, of course. And on today's episode, I get to talk with filmmaker Alex Palumbo about his journey and how he uses film to help other creatives communicate to their potential clients. Let me tell you a little bit about Alex. He is here in San Diego, and I got to connect with him in person, which is always so very cool. So Alex is living at the intersection of commercial and documentary storytelling. He is a filmmaker and photographer who searches for truth and showcases human stories through a lens of authenticity. His films have been featured at film festivals around the world, and his camera is how he connects best with others. Alex works on commercial, documentary, and narrative projects and is based in San Diego. We had a beautiful conversation today. I just think video is such a magical way to connect with others. I encourage you all to step out in front of the camera and let the world see you, see your light, and I want to connect with you. You're listening to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. This is a podcast that guides you as a new or inspiring independent interior designer navigating your entrepreneurial path. Here, with my over 20 years experience, I will share my holistic approach to design with intention and ancient practices, including feng shui, all incorporating mind, body, and spirit into my design projects. You will also learn from seasoned interior designers as they give strategies and insight of how they built their businesses and continue to work in the field. Together, we will discover supportive trade partners, new ideas, creatives, and inspiring artists from around the world. I am your host, Rachel Lorraine Crawford. Hello, hello. Welcome back. We have Alex Palumbo on with Slack Tide. Uh, is it Slack Tide Films? Slack Tide Films, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm super excited to have Alex on with us. Um, we're going to dive into his origin story with film and just how important it is to connect on on this media. I was telling him when I first met him that, you know, seeing our faces and video and just being able to connect on a personal level is so important, especially when you're um, wanting to connect with potential clients. And Alex just has a way about him and his work that I feel like really can portray your personality to those potential um, clients and people coming into your world. So before we get into our conversation, I'm gonna go ahead and open up our space, getting connected into the present moment, um, just by ringing a bell and connecting with that element of air. 
connecting back into our bodies. And of course, lighting a candle. There's so much magic in the element of fire, just with creativity, um, passion, desire, all those things. So I want to light this. And for me, this is also about, you know, just setting that intention. Same thing with, with what I do with all my projects, really setting the intention and connectedness with um, the energies that we're wanting to cultivate and bring into our space. So, and I'm going to pull a card. So I've got the Moon BB Magic deck from Angela Mary Magic. She's in Huntington Beach. Um, she's super rad. And I just love her cards and the energy that she brings. So let's see what we have. I'm going to pull the cards right side up as I always do. And this is really just to kind of tap into an energy field, um, a theme of sorts, guidance for us. And we've got the tower. This is turmoil. And the tower card is one of those cards that seems really scary and destructive and like all this stuff, but I do welcome this into our lives. And I feel like I like just went through tower moments and I'm still kind of going through a little bit of those tower moments of like completely breaking everything down, starting from the ground up, like burning things down and, and thinking of um, ways to build and in, in brand new options and in brand new ways and and also just taking like that stuff that that burnt down and using that as fertilizer to grow something new um in our world so i do welcome the tower even though it, it can be one of those scary cards for sure so alex i always ask um and i'm always interested in, in what people nourish themselves with what are you currently um consuming i'm having that the, way? a boring bottle of water but i drink a ton of it Water is just one of those things I feel like um, you can't get enough of it. It's like so simple and basic and true, but water can also be the basis for, you know, life force energy. It's the basis for like the tea that I'm drinking and all other things. And so there's, I don't think there's anything boring about that. There's, there's life in that water. It's really life water. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. I love it. So I've got a Daisy wild tea from Paru and um, it's got green tea and Daisy chrysanthemums, which I just thought was really special. And it's very low caffeine. I usually can only do so much caffeine in the morning. And um, my boys wanted tea this morning. So I was like digging through all the things and what, what can I get that's not so crazy caffeine. And, and this was the tea that we decided to, to have a ritual with this morning. So super special. So Alex, um, I always also ask what, what is home for you? Um, at the moment, it could be the idea of home, like your literal home. What, which is home? I mean, yeah, that's a moment that could be a whole conversation on its own. Um, I, th I think yeah. home is feeling like I'm on the right track of life and doing what I am meant to be doing, which I do feel that. Mm. And to me, that's home. Yeah. And, and we also found out when I first um, connected with you on Dina's um, episode, because you had participated in San Diego Design Week, is that we're, we're neighbors. We live in the same neighborhood. And so I thought that was really fascinating. And we got to connect over coffee and, and really explore, you know, all these things. And, and you recently moved back or like, can you tell me a little bit of where you were living before and, and how you came to Lucadia? And yeah, so I'll run through a quick origin story. I won't make it too long, but um, I'll give you the, the <laughs> highlights. So 
I went to college in South Carolina, graduated, moved to LA, worked first in the finance world at Hulu. And then I went to an electric car mm. startup, worked in supply chain. And that whole time I was always shooting on the side. I never saw it as a viable income. I always saw it as just kind of this fun thing or a hobby. And maybe partly because I didn't think I was good enough to do it, which at that time I really wasn't yet. But again, that was in the beginning of my yeah. process. But um, I guess I also didn't have many examples of that in my life of full-time artists who were doing that as their right. only professions. I didn't really see that. My, you know, my father was a musician, but he did it for fun. My mother was a photographer and she did it, you know, not really as her main income. So I didn't really see that example. I didn't really know that was an option. Mm. So that time I was working in the corporate world in LA, I started exploring ideas of moving back to New York because I was kind of getting tired of living in LA. And then at that time, mm -hmm. I got news that my dad was diagnosed with brain cancer. So that gave me the reason to then quit my job and move back to New York. I helped my family during that time. He passed about 16 months after diagnosis. So then I kind of found myself living back in my hometown helping my mom out with things, taking care of my dad's business, kind of being there and being supportive. And with that came time, a bit more time to start exploring this side career that I had. And also too, there was a really big catalyst there of, you know, my dad passing at 54. This was four years ago now. And as a young man, and I at that time was 27 and, and it was scary. It was like, all right, so, life isn't guaranteed. I don't know how long I have. And to be spending it doing something I'm not really in love doing, it seems like a waste of life to me. So that was a big catalyst into really pushing myself towards this other life. It did take some time to get to where I am now as being full-time mm -hmm. uh, creative. It, it was a bit of a process about a three-year kind of transition from that life to this life. And we could reference that turmoil at the beginning of the yeah. show uh, there was a big turmoil there internally and in a lot of ways where i felt guilt about doing that life i felt a, a lot of reasons why i shouldn't a ton of imposter syndrome a mm. ton of fear um and covid really was also another the final catalyst for me where you know i was sitting in my house and looking at who I was surrounded by, what I was spending my time doing, thinking, is this what I'm happy with going forward? And yeah. the answer was, no, I wasn't satisfied because I knew I had more to be doing or that I should be doing. And uh, I basically just started working with a, a, a coach, a life coach, his name's Santi, he was great. And I joined a men's group. And those two things were really good wow. support systems to give me, give me that backbone that I feel like I didn't have and they helped me kind of find that on my own and then I just circled the date on the calendar and just chose it and it was December 28th I moved three days after Christmas so oh my not gosh. this past December one before that and okay. yeah and I, and I just drove out west and this is now my second time moving out west the first time was after college for the corporate world and this time felt like it was okay. almost my first time living out here mm. I almost don't consider my time in LA as as me even it's just like another yeah. version of me or an earlier form of me that wasn't fully you know developed into who i am now and not wasn't fully confident as to who i am now too mm. 
So, so tell me how um, Slack Tide came to be. Like, um, when you moved out here, were you? Did you have this vision of creating this company and, and what you were wanting to do, or did it kind of slowly evolve? Like, what did that look like? Yeah. So the entity of Slack Tide actually started before I moved. So pre-COVID, I actually hosted an art show in Long Island, New York. I was feeling frustrated at the lack of community in my area, especially between artists. And I was kind of feeling like, all right, we're in a population of seven million people on this island. Yet I'm feeling yeah. very alone in terms of people I could create with and make pro do projects with and mm -hmm. that kind of world. And that f drove me to, okay, I'm going to make the community. If I can't find it, I'm going to make it. So I yeah. curated the work of myself and 14 other local artists, mainly photographers and digital artists. And okay. I found a local venue that was open to it. It was this uh, place called Swell Taco in uh in Patchogue, New York and they were super receptive like sure like take the whole back patio and yeah. it was really minimal oh planning it was kind of like I don't know a month before it was supposed to happen and we threw it together and okay. it had a great turnout we had 300 something people that came out and it really was a moment where everyone there said said thank you for doing this it's really the the vibe mm. of the people in here is great and everyone kept talking about how energetic mm. the whole event was and it was really motivating. It was like, all right, this is this is something that I should continue pursuing is this made me feel yeah. good. It made others feel good and it lit me up. And I said, okay, so that's something I should chase. And then COVID happened. And then that year I couldn't do the show. So what I did was I made a magazine version of the show. I chose another 14 art artists plus myself, curated some work and I made a 170 page coffee table magazine to show off a bunch of work from different artists. And that theme of that issue was the ocean. So it was the stories and photos from people around the ocean. And I'm working on volume two right now. It's been about two years in the making because oh I've gosh. had life kind of happen in between and a lot of, and a ton of other projects. And so yeah. that's kind of the, and, and that show was actually called the Slack Tide Art Show. Um, this is, uh, okay. actually I have a flyer right here. Like an art music show, that's what I called it. Amazing. So this is the first flyer I made for that show, which was like, so two and a half years ago. And Oh my gosh, yeah. These are so all the rad. artists. Yeah, so that's kind of the name I came up with while while coming up with this show. I just, because the idea of Slack Tide is, so I was really into spearfishing at that time and I was getting really into it. I'm okay. still into it now, but I was really learning it then. And Slack High Tide was the best time to dive because that's when the most water was available. Okay. The visibility was best and you didn't have the current pulling you as you're trying to dive. Mm. And the idea of also slack tide is the period of time before a change. And it's the kind of time okay. to to pull together and to maybe reassess something before then taking action. So I like the idea of that. Wow. It's just kind of a powerful moment um, of really potential energy before it becomes kinetic. That's essentially what slack wow. tide is. So, and I just like the nautical nature of it growing up on the water that was that's my dad always told me that I have salt water running in my veins so that's just yeah. a part of me I feel like so the magazine was called on slack tide magazine the show was a slack tide art and music show and I kind of then just kept rolling that forward and it just yeah when it came time to feel like I needed to establish a studio to I guess give myself validity or or legitimacy in 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 the network here. So moving out, when I first moved out, right. I didn't operate under that name. 
Uh, I was still just under my website, my name as my website, which I mean, the schools of thought okay. as to the best way to approach that. I mean, some people make a whole career right. being cinematographers or DPs and just staying as their name. Um, but I was trying to think more long term mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. I want to basically be a boutique studio where I'm not directly tied to my name where, you know, let's say I'm at, at a scale where I'd, I'm taking on too many projects. I can start bringing on team members under the Slack Tied banner and we can be involved in right, more work, right. a more a diversity of work and not just be tied to whatever Alex can do with his camera. It can be more of a, what's a collective of artists that can do together. So, and that's still in the works. It's, it's definitely going to continue evolving over not just this year, but over the, my life. And right, I'm excited right. to see where that goes. So cool. So when is this next magazine? Uh, when is this due to, to arrive or come out or? I'm, I'm aiming for the fall. Uh, this show has taken precedence. So now I, I can mention at this, when this airs, actually the show will have been yeah. a great success and magazine yeah. maybe might be out at that point by November, but um, mm. that's what I mean before it's November. I'm still dialing in the, the uh, size of the, of this issue, the format, how, how if I want okay. to skew more editorial or stay more kind of like art gallery vibe. So I'm trying to still figure that out. And I'm sure that's going to also evolve as the issues go on. But in the meantime, I've also done mm -hmm. a bunch of smaller zines, these little 12 page love um, zines, kind of yeah. mini, mini projects. So I, I like print. I think print is something that we've mm -hmm. kind of lost with the, with the infinite scrolling that's been going on where Absolutely. you look at Absolutely. a piece of art in person, it's so much more tangible. You can feel it. Versus you look at something yeah. over through a screen and then you get bombarded by a text notification, something else, and then it's gone. Right. So I think it can evoke mo yeah. more emotion. The same thing like an in-person in show can evoke the same emotions of, mm -hmm. of really mm -hmm. being present with the thing you're viewing, not just consuming it on your feed like you're an animal eating a trough. Right. Out of a trough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. And do you know who you're featuring in this? this volume and and what the theme is or can you give us a glimpse of to what all that is so the the theme of this volume is going to be the community issue so i'm still working okay. out um submissions and artists that i'll be featuring but it's going to focus on work that involves community and that's a broad topic mm. intentionally so it can cover kind of however anyone wants to cover that whether it's the opening of a of a skate park for kids in Tijuana or if it's a group yeah. of friends that you know ride bikes together um, here in San Diego so it's pretty broad I wanted I want to see a real range of work within it and a range of stories um, mm -hmm. everything from poetry to you know photojournalism in there so it, that's um yeah I'm still in the curating stage of that right now amazing and are you going to have some sort of a um, a film component that is attached to the magazine or is it I, be ideally kind of a I would actually, I've, been, I've been exploring was having film components attached to it and just having it through QR codes within the actual magazine yeah so absolutely. you can be scrolling through so it becomes more kind of multimedia interactive so as you're scrolling through mm -hmm. the magazine you mm -hmm. see this one kind of segment an article maybe about uh, documentaries uh, a photo series and some write-up and some copy and then it, there might be a QR card in the middle of that uh, article where you can scan that and then watch a 30 second kind of companion piece that goes with yeah. the article. 
So it just kind of gets more of the senses involved. Yeah, absolutely. I love that idea. So can you tell us, do you have any current projects that you're super excited about or that you're um, pumped up over or, or things that have kind of inspired you lately? Yeah. So, I mean, lately I've been, I think, in a transitional period myself or turmoil, let's say, in terms of the what I mm -hmm. want to be working mm -hmm. on. So I think I've I've been definitely hitting a point of burnout. And this is now in, in mid-September. Okay. I feel like I'm kind of coming out of that right now. But I would say like last okay. month and month before that, I was kind of in a burnout stage where I was feeling just the constant go, 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 go. And, you know, trying, you know, mm. meetings, mm -hmm. setting meetings, trying, networking, trying to find clients. It's just like a constant of selling yourself, which, which don't get me wrong. I, I love the fact that I can make yeah. an income with my camera, but also too, there's an element of, of kind of having to sing for your supper, let's say, where it kind of takes away from the creativity of it. Mm -hmm. So the projects okay. that are exciting me most now are not the client work or not the pay projects. It's okay. the projects that I can just do with either my friends or let's say it's a project I want to shoot about um, fishermen in Baja that, you know, it's not going to be for a client. Yeah. It's not going to be paid. It's just going to be because I want to do it. So now I'm trying to get mm -hmm. to a point where I'm freeing up enough time to take on those personal projects. And because now, you know, I'm finding my time is 90% not shooting. So the one thing I'm best at wow. is telling stories with my camera. I was spending the least yeah. amount of time doing it because all the other components of running a business come with, you know, the invoicing, contracts, Absolutely. emails, just the networking, all of that is taking the lion's share of my time. So which me, to me, it feels inherently inefficient. If, if I'm really good at one thing and I'm spending the least amount of time mm -hmm. doing it, something needs to change there. So I'm trying to figure Absolutely. out a good, a better balance there. I've been bad with giving myself days off, giving myself time off. Okay. You know, being self-employed, yeah. it's hard to hard to clock out. You can't. You know, I'm checking my email at night. I'm working on weekends because sometimes I like mm -hmm. to and I want to, but then I'm not giving right. myself that time off. And if I do, I have this kind of guilt of oh, I don't deserve Absolutely. it yet. I haven't I haven't <laughs> built up, built enough yeah. yet to take that time off. Yeah, I could totally relate with everything that you've just spoken of. And and lately, just in my own business, I'm, I'm really trying to be intentional about how I'm spending that time and, and creating like these time blocks and theming out my days of the week and, and like intentionally putting in time off, time out to to refresh, renew, um, to be present with other things that are important in our lives. And I think, you know, also an in interior design, like we are, um, especially for running our own businesses, it's 80% of, you know, paperwork and the business aspects. And you were just saying with invoices and, and creating purchase orders and following up on orders and checking in on contractors. And, and then, you know, I, I might get 20% to actually design and source and, and, um, you know, be very creative in this space, which, you know, I feel like you know, maybe when we were in school or when we're thinking about becoming a creative, like that's never like at the, the forefront. We don't really think much about it, but um, I think creating systems and procedures and also building a support to help us with those sorts of things. I, I know this year, like one of my biggest lessons is being able to receive support, to connect with others, to realize the things that I don't want to do and what's sucking up my time or, or the things that I procrastinate on to be able to ask for somebody to kind of come in and, and you don't have to hire somebody full time or even be an employee, but you can 
you know, outsource some of these things for, you know, a few hours. And there are people that are so inspired by you and, and what you're doing that they want to be part of it. So I feel, and that's something too, that I realized that, you know, we're doing so many really cool things and, and things that are unusual or different and people want like just a, a glimpse of it or just to have a little part of it and and they're willing to help. So just like kind of putting that out there for anyone else that's sort of listening or, you know, being a creative and, and same for you and with me. And like I said, this has been a huge learning thing for me, especially this year. Um, but I find it, you know, really supportive in that way. And I was in complete burnout September of last year. Like I was at a space where I just wanted to like quit everything. So I, I can totally feel all of that. Um, with what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, and th that's a good reminder. Asking for help is tough for whatever reason or whatever things, blockages that are there that make it feel like, you know, whether it's pride or whether it's, uh, I don't know what it is, but you kind of feel like you have to take on all this yeah. burden yourself. You can't ask for help. And maybe it cheapens the success if you did ask for help, but which it doesn't. Yeah. It really just, you know, especially in the field I'm in, and I think most creative fields are so teamwork centric well sure i could be the one person mm -hmm. on a shoot holding the camera with the mic on it doing everything but sometimes it takes away from the final product and i think it makes me less present so i'm i feel fortunate on certain projects i'm able to bring on bring on two three four people to be part of it so i have a crew mm -hmm. and it makes the yeah. end result better it makes the subjects we're filming i think more appreciative because I'm able to be more present as the director. If I'm conducting the interviews, the documentary, um, you can just be more there. Absolutely. So who are your, or what projects are you wanting to kind of bring into your life? Like, what are you craving right now? And, and who do you want to work with? It's a tough question because I think there's a lot of projects I want to do. I, I, mm -hmm. I guess the, it's easier to answer what I don't want to do. Um, okay. I, I, <laughs> Maybe let's start I, there. What don't you want to yeah, do? <laughs> I don't want to shoot weddings and I don't want to do just okay. kind of like the basic corporate kind of talking head projects. I'm looking for more of the yep. kind of more creative artistic projects. And I kind of see it as I have three main avenues of projects I like shooting and I kind of segment them in that okay. way because they are all different and I enjoy them all. So it's hard to pick just yeah. one type. So I'd say the my favorite one is the documentary and it could be okay. you know like the a classic documentary you think of that's on netflix about some larger topic or some broader idea where i'm where it's a over several months of shooting or it could be something as small as it's a a one-day shoot in a small fishing village just interviewing a couple of fishermen and telling a story of a small town or it could be mm -hmm. just one artist and focusing on them and their creative process so the kind of human stories, I think, are my number one favorite project to tell. And luckily, a yeah. lot of companies and brands see the value in that. And they realize that just selling a product just because of the product alone sometimes feels cheap if they support mm -hmm. an artist also. And it's called branded documentary content. That's something that I think is a nice blend mm -hmm. of able to make money with and also to tell a story of another artist and also get paid in the process doing it. So yeah, I think the passion projects are my favorite as terms of these docu projects. The branded documentaries, I think, are also a lot of fun to shoot as client work. And then that's kind of the one arm. And then we'll go to the commercial okay. arm, which is, I think, still a blast. I think it's quicker turnover where 
every project so different and and you have a lot of kind of room to play depending on project or the yeah. client and it could be you know anything from spear fishing in Mexico to a fashion project in Laguna so it could be pretty broad or something in New York and when okay. commercial it's a pretty broad term but it basically means anything that's more stylized or less documentary than the branded content um so okay. that's another arm and then the third arm is narrative which is something that's kind of newer for me and I'm really enjoying it and that's the classic movie and for now I've only worked on shorts mm. and I'm I'd like to shoot it a feature length narrative within the next couple of years and I'm actually going to by the time this airs I'll have shot my third narrative yeah. short in New York and it, they've been a blast I've I've worked on two so far and working with actors and actually having wow. having lines uh that these actors are delivering and you're having to kind of give feedback so far I've co-directed both of them with my buddy AJ who's been okay. the screenwriter for both of them and wow. it's been a really challenging process but it's been like film school also I didn't go to film school I'm all self-taught in this so I kind of entered the industry from kind of a side door or a back mm. door and yeah. there are times yeah. where I feel like I I could have picked up on a lot of these more basic kind of routine things through film school but it's it's fun to learn it on the job on the uh on actually actually doing it i'm a big believer in experience over just just reading something you know you could read an article Absolutely. about how to do something but once you actually do it it's when you actually really yeah. learn it so yeah those are kind of the three avenues so the documentary the commercial and the narrative or what i like to focus on Amazing. I love it. I love it so much. Can you tell us a little bit about that narrative that you're um, working on? Or can you give us a little bit of a teaser of what that's about? Yeah, so this is with the with a director in New York, Matt Maffei. And it's called Home Videos, I believe, or Home Video. It's basically a family piece, let's say, in the vein of, of A Tree of Life of Terrence Malick. Kind of like that idea of yeah. it's kind of a vignette of a family. It's set in the 90s, kind of ambiguous okay. about the decade. And it's not really going to be one of those yeah. kind of clear cut. There's a story, this arc, and then it ends. It's going to be one more of Got these it. kind of uh, a, a peek into this family's life for 10 minutes. And it's not really going to be chronological either. It's going to kind of time jump. It mm. might be months or a couple of years between scenes. But you just kind of see this dynamic. And it reminds me wow. also a bit too of uh, We Are the Animals. It's a, I think his name is Justin Torres. It's this fictional novel about a family in Texas growing up and it's kind of along those lines as well so yeah we're shooting it in in New York City and I think we have a house rented in Queens as the home location it's got some mm. really cool wallpaper on the homes and we're gonna okay. set design it pretty well too Rad. and yeah we have some scenes we're filming Ugh. in Midtown probably not Times Square but in that kind of area ish okay. we're gonna try to date yeah, it a little yeah. bit so it looks like it's in the 90s and based on like you know what streets so we're rad. choosing and what cars are on the street and we're going to shoot it you know pretty gorilla style yeah. it's going to be a pretty small crew probably myself as dp <laughs> which is for people who don't know it's the director of photography or the cinematographer of a piece that's the dp okay. and then you have the director which is could be matt and then we have uh four actors we have a mom and a dad and two kids and then we have, nice. I'm sure we're going to have a couple of assistant cameras and 
production assistants on set as well. But it's oh a three day shoot. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. So rad. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. And you'll have to share it with everybody and we'll we'll post yeah, of it. Course. And, yeah. And all of that. So I'm I'm curious, you've got all these things going on. How do you um stay grounded? What do you do to, to stay centered or connected to yourself? <laughs> so you that's a great question because I think it's interesting. So running has been, I think, one of the best things that's kept me doing something daily. Mm. It's been something I kind of rely on as being consistent because my days are so varied. I have days where I'm shooting, I have days yeah. where I'm client meetings, I have days where I'm doing paperwork, I'm doing uh, editing. So my days are always different and I'm not every day is the same, which is great. But also too, it can be really difficult when I'm on the road for two or three months at a time. Like earlier this summer, I was on the road for two months mm -hmm. and it's really easy during that time to find yourself kind of floating away where your mm. head is just miles above your body and you don't know really what's going on because you're eating out more or you're you know sleeping in different places while working on different projects and right. before you know it you kind of like come up for air and you're like where am i what am i doing what's been my daily routine that's keeping me me and sometimes that's really easy to lose so I need to find a better process of being grounded on the road, um, whether it's just taking five minutes to just write a few sentences yeah. and just do some breathing. Um, so that's fully on me. I have some resistance to, to building that into my routine for whatever reason, but I know I need to, mm. but for, but I have some type of blockage okay. there about wanting to do it. Maybe it's fear of doing, I don't know. There's something there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. here now based in San Diego, I have my time where I could run um daily i have time to exercise it's been kind of my my meditation okay. in a way um yeah so I, the thing is though i it's really easy to slip out of that you know i get busy for a week yeah, and, for sure. and like really busy and then it's like those routines kind of slip and like this morning actually i i, I have a full day scheduled today and i actually got up yeah two hours earlier so I could make sure I worked out this morning and just sweat and was able to get out, get outside and kind of mm. feel something before then starting plunging into my work day. And so are you doing sort of this, these things like at the same time or does it kind of vary or do you like intentionally plan them? I mean, it looks like today you are really intentional about setting aside some time to do this. Is that something that you've been practicing with or is this new yeah or? and ebbs and flows i think there are times in my life where i'm really consistent with it and i'm really good at sticking to it and there are other times where i kind yeah. of don't prioritize it i think i've been better recently with setting boundaries in that way with myself so mm. typically mm -hmm. you know in the past i would have scheduled something at kind of any time to whatever work for the other person while now i'm trying to be more intentional about right. okay i if i do this it's going to make the rest of my day maybe more stressful and more difficult. So I had maybe this time block right. for a call or a meeting and that's it. And I've been trying also to keep one or two meeting days or at the very least, just keep my phone calls and meetings to within a two hour time block mid morning, where then if any other mm -hmm. request comes in after, because meetings can be come really like it turns your days into Swiss cheese. You get the small request yeah. for 30 minutes here, 15 minutes there. Before you know it, your day's gone yeah. and you didn't have really any time for focused work. So it's I've been getting better at being more intentional about that. Yeah, absolutely. So how can somebody find, you know, the new magazine, your work? Like what's the best way to um, experience the art that you're creating in the world? 
So my website's probably best. It's slacktidefilms.com. Okay. Um, there they'll be, the magazine will be on there on one of the tabs. That's where most of my new work is uploaded to. Instagram also, I'm cool. not great at using it. That's something else I'm kind of been struggling with, you would say, where I've been, I was off it for months. But then also too, it's kind of okay. out of a, out of principle of not wanting to feed the the social media right. kind of life, which I think I'm kind of frustrated at the kind of transactional nature and the kind mm -hmm. of emptiness of it. And I think that people are just kind of devaluing creative work overall, even calling it content, honestly, is a pretty gross term. It makes yeah. it, it cheapens it um, because no, it should be mm -hmm. considered as art. If it's made that way, if it's right. made with that intention, I think there's a difference there too. If it's made with just, it's just content Absolutely. and it's content. It's, ready for the feed you know literally feed right and right. um <laughs> so I, I my work isn't that updated that recent that um that frequently on instagram but i intend to use it a bit more um because <clears throat> frankly it does work in getting me clients and getting my work out there you know if i'm right, being followed right. by creative and art directors different companies and i'm mia for three months at a time off the platform they're not going to think of me when an opportunity comes up to shoot a commercial project for them or a documentary or something. So you kind of have to mm -hmm. do like play the game a bit, but I guess too, is I can reframe right, the way I'm right. looking at it where it's not really playing a game and it's not feeding into it. I can see it as a tool, which is what it is. And if you could use it intentionally and treat Instagram as just a marketing tool for a business, then there should be no reason to. So I've also thought about maybe outsourcing my Instagram to someone to just be uh -huh. posting for me. But as of now, it's still me. So people can shoot me a message or what I am looking for is our interesting Perfect. project. So um, if it's some person doing something really unique or a group of people doing something that you think a story that needs to be told, I would love to hear about mm -hmm. it and love to tell that story. And sure, if you have a company that wants to do some storytelling and I want to make sure that I'm not working with companies that are just, just money makers. They're not just like trying to just churn and yeah. just maximize profit, but a company that's more intentional about whether being 1% one one for the planet or doing something that shows at least a, a willingness to give back. That's also my ideal commercial mm -hmm. client. But yeah, I'm looking for really stories too. It's just personal projects. It's just personal documentaries. Um, interesting people, interesting things going on. Something that you think should a light should be shined on or shown on. Uh, please let right. me know. So my Instagram is A L X Palumbo P A L U M B O, and my website is slacktidefilms.com. Perfect, I love it. Oh, well, thank you so much, Alex, for taking the time. I know today is, is jam packed for you. Thank you for having me. I was happy to make time for it. Yeah, I'm I'm super stoked. I can't wait for everyone to hear about what you're doing, see what you're doing. I think you've got a, a definite talent and a way about you that um, that should be seen and, and shown. And it's nice to kind of turn that lens over to you since I know you're behind um, so many other other things and, and showing other people. So sometimes it's nice to get the, the spotlight. So I appreciate you. You've been listening to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. If it's one that you have been enjoying, please share with anyone else that you think can benefit from this knowledge. 
and leave us a five-star review that helps us get seen and found by other new and aspiring interior designers. And if you're looking for mentorship, I invite you to join our club here at the Design Coven. It's a bridge between school and real life interior design. We get in much deeper there. We have virtual and in-person events. So everyone is welcome. You don't need to have a design degree to be part of it. Just an interest in holistic interior design. I also want to thank our editor, Marcy Ferry, Blake Ferris, for all of her special help with the podcast, our social media posts, newsletter, and lastly, Kinseth Thibodeau, who is our music composer. Until next time, be well, and we will see each other soon.